Welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, the latest on shares, markets and investments, now available on your Amazon Alexa. Hello and welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, now also available on the UK Investor Magazine mobile app. For today's podcast, we're going to be discussing what's happening out there in markets as well as a number of UK equities and to do that, we have with us kindly once more Alan Green. Alan, thanks for being here. Good morning, John. Good to be back. So, Alan, we are now looking at markets that are digesting the tragic events that are happening in Ukraine. Of course, the human tragedy there is the most important issue uh, that we should be considering at this point in time. But of course, on this podcast, we are focused on markets and company. So we're going to be looking at the consequences for those markets. And now just before we, we get into it, 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 I think this is you know a real tragedy. As, as I said, you know, listeners to the podcast that, that have been listening for some time will be aware that we've had quite a close contact with people in Ukraine, uh, particularly within the technology sector. We had uh, the CFO of Parimatch Tech on uh, just this year. Uh, this is a company that started in Ukraine in the 90s. And now anybody that watches uh, Premier League football will see their advertisements around. They have partnerships with a number of Premier League companies. Now, this is just one company of many that we've had yep. uh, involvement with. And it's you know, very sad to see what's happening uh, to them out there. So all of our thoughts go out to, to everybody there in, in Ukraine. But Alan, now let's look at these markets. Huge volatility we've seen. Uh, so far, you know, looking at, you know, Brent oil, $113 we touched this morning, uh, you know, just back, uh, you know, a year ago, that that would have been unthinkable. Yeah. Uh, you, know, you know, looking at the FTSE 100, that's at seeing some support from oil prices, but we're obviously seeing other sectors uh, seeing a, a big hit there. I mean, looking, if we just take a very very basic look at you know FTSE 100 and UK markets, Alan. I mean, in your view, what's the sort of immediate outlook uh, from this point, given that we've got strong oil supporting prices, but we've got this backdrop of huge sanctions with consequences that are just unknown at this point in time? It, it's tragic, Jonathan, isn't it? And, uh, you know, I'm sure like everyone else, I've got the news on in the background and, uh, and you've just got this constant... Uh, this constant rolling um, panorama of uh, missile strikes and uh, you know displaced people and a country that was burgeoning and you know full of people with such wonderful national pride and a prime minister or, or a president who has just done wonders I think in bringing the country together and uh, standing up to standing up to um, to the the tyrant that is Putin, and um, and I think also there are a lot of Russians as well, young Russians who don't want anything to do with this autocracy, and um, may well be the people that eventually um, resolve this matter because it's clear that uh, Putin set on his course, whatever. And certainly in terms of the markets, we've seen, of course, the uh, oil giants BP and Shell, uh, BP of course uh, exiting. Uh, Rosneft uh, and Shell, of course, uh, exiting some of its uh, Russian um, investments, and of course, these come, those shares once they're sold, they can't be resold, so they may be picked up by China, 
um, uh, or they they may not get picked up full stop. And of course, that's that's creating tremendous uh, a tremendous financial shockwave that's rolling into Russia now. And it's it's the ordinary people in Russia that will be feeling it. They'll be feeling these sanctions, and they'll be feeling their lives will be affected, their ability to draw cash, um, and of course, Putin's ability to access his his foreign exchange reserves have now been um, have now been cut off. Um, they've got the gold reserves, but uh, Putin has to finance all of the activities. So let's hope he he um, is unable to access money. That's the only that's one of the hopes, along with the hopes that perhaps some of the uh, young Russians will find a way to um, to uh, stand up to him and stop this from happening. But uh, it's it is dire, and of course the outlook is uncertain. But um, the one thing we do know is, of course, that we've got the squeeze in the the, the price of Brent, as you say, $113 at the moment, could very well go higher. And of course, it's hitting us at the pumps. Um, uh, you know, tanking your car now is going to cost you a good deal more than it would have done a few days ago. Um, but it's also going to create a supply squeeze in other areas too. And of course, um, energy prices uh, will no doubt rise. Um, uh, also, the, the cost of raw commodities of course uh, are going to rise too because russia exports a lot of its um uh, of its commodities uh, to the world uh, that will be stopped really um that will be stopped uh, as of now so there could well be commodity price squeezes too um and of course at this time we're seeing um the the price of gold uh, uh, looking very firm the price of other precious metals too um and it's uh, historically always of course been a, a safe haven asset in times of uncertainty so so companies that um, having are operating uh, and are involved with oil and with uh, uh, metals and commodities um, I, I think will will be doing very well in in the coming months and uh, you know it's a sad byproduct uh, you know financial gains on the back of this misery but um, that's the world as it is and you have to decide to engage with it or walk away from it but um th- certainly certainly the uncertainty um has hit the markets but we're going to see great volatility over the coming weeks uh, we're, uh, no doubt but i think the the areas that you can look to to provide some stability are those in energy and of course commodities indeed indeed i think uh, as you mentioned there alan one of, one of the only certainties that we're going to see going forward is uncertainty and and further volatility mm. in markets. So as, as also as you said there, uh, these these sorts of markets aren't fair for everybody. It's you know pretty terrible time that we're seeing in Ukraine and, and pretty tough times in in markets at the moment. Um, so this is obviously something we're going to be covering in the podcast. I'm sure for for many weeks to come as uh, as the situation develops there. But we're going to focus now back. Uh, here in the UK, Alan, on something a little bit more positive in terms of uh, results from a company that is probably one of the, the biggest success stories since the financial crisis. Actually, in, in, in Persimmon, there was a period they were giving you know very substantial dividends uh, to investors. Now they've reported this morning, and it comes alongside news that we're, from nationwide that we've just seen house prices, the average UK house price increased above £260,000 for the first time. And uh, just uh, in February, we saw 
the average year-on-year house price increased 12.6%, a bumper increase in, in house prices. I'm sure that's doing some favours to the share price of Persimmon this morning, Alan, which is up uh, just looking here about 6%. So what does that report look like from them? Certainly, it's up 6%, Jonathan. And, you know, you, you can have... You can have COVID. You can have um, you can have World War Three, um, uh, but the UK housing market um, seems to be seems to just uh, drive on relentless uh, or relentlessly and regardless of of the the macro picture. And um, certainly, persimmon, uh, you know, uh, I think um, is is a great example of just how powerful the UK housing market is. Of course, house prices, as you say, increased in February as well. And Persimmon have just uh, reported this morning a very, very solid uh, set of, of numbers. Um, you know, 2021 pre-tax profits um, up nearly 13% to $967 million on sales, up uh, uh, 8.5% to uh, $3.6 billion. Um, profit margins also up 40 basic, basis points to um, 31, well, up 31%. Um, and 14,500 homes sold during 2021, up 7.2%. And selling prices, of course, higher still, uh, 2.8% higher, 237,000. And of course, as you've just pointed out, that uh, that'll now be now be higher still. Um, the the uh, the plan for um, 2022 looks pretty well the same. A further 75 sites to be opened. Uh, during 2022 to take the total number of outlets to over 300. So 75 new sites would indicate that we could even see, uh, if the house prices keep uh, building, we could even see an acceleration in revenues and profits for this year. It's just, uh, you know, uh, I mean, to, that's those numbers have come during COVID. Haven't, you know, that they have seemed really to, uh, relatively unaffected by the outbreak. But of course, the share price, um, and the share price chart for the year tells a different story. The shares uh, really came off that year low of of twenty two pounds seventy four to bounce up um, to bounce up up to, up to nearly twenty five pounds uh, this morning. As you say, up six percent. And as you point out, John, the you know if you're looking uh, if you're looking to beat inflation, then Persimmon's got to be the share to hold to do that. A dividend yield of nine and a half percent, which is incredible. Um, and uh, I think you know if you if this company continues to build this way, then we could see uh, opportunities at the, this level, both for capital gain in 2022-23, and of course um, that chunky dividend yield to boot. So um, you know, really, it's a slam dunk for your portfolio. So, Alan, there's been a disconnect, and this has been uh, happening now for probably six months, maybe more between the performance of share prices of UK house builders and the figures they're reporting to the market, which of these do you feel snaps back into line first? I mean, do, do you start to see the the figures that uh, we're seeing and the earnings from house builders start to decline uh, in line with the share price? Or is the market wrong in selling these uh, companies and sending their, their shares down and we start to see the share price move back up in line with the very strong results we're seeing, not only from Persimmon, but the rest of the UK house builders? Well, of course, uh, what's weighed on the Persimmon share price certainly over the past few weeks is, of course, the uh, the um, 
the the outbreak of war in Ukraine. You know, that's it's just hit the market as a whole. So the shares have come back on the back of that. But as I pointed out, you know, if you uh, so so if they're opening seventy five new outlets or new sites in to in early two thousand twenty two, um, that brings the total number of outlets to up to over three hundred. But seventy five new sites that's a lot of sites. And that could be a lot of sales. So it's conceivable that we could see an acceleration from this point in profits and revenues. So at some point, the the share price will catch up. But of course, um, you've got the macro picture weighing on the share price at the moment. But um, regardless of that, the company can continue to pay a 9.5% dividend yield, uh, which is, you know, one of the best in the business. Um, And... You know, I think uh, whilst there might be a disconnect, the the opportunity, um, uh, the the buying opportunity with these shares now to me looks better than ever. So um, I think it's probably, uh, you know, it's 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 one that you should have in your portfolio for sure. Indeed, indeed. I mean, looking at it, it's you know offering very good uh, good value. It's going to be interesting to see how. That the numbers from these companies developed through uh, 2022. Really good set of uh, data there from uh, from Persimmon. So moving on now, Alan, we have tertiary minerals, one we've discussed on the podcast previously, but not for, not for some time. Uh, so interested to hear what the latest is from them. So tertiary minerals have a portfolio of um, assets. Uh, uh, these are gold, silver and copper assets in Nevada, in the USA. And the, the assets are st- spread out across the uh, an area known as the Walker Lane Gold Belt, which um, historically uh, has uh, has had many large mining companies operating there over the years and uh, and many, um, many large, uh, many very successful mines. Um, we're, we're focus- the news really the past few weeks has come from an area Called the Pyramid Project, which is, and in particular, an area near to the Ruth Mine area, um, an area in fact called North Ruth. Um, and uh, back in the 1980s, Battle Mountain Gold um, explored and uh, and uh, drilled uh, holes in the area and found some extremely good grades of of gold. Um, and uh, uh, the the area that um, Tertiary have. Um, uh, in, in at Northroth, um, undertake uh, uh, exploration work and sampling work was undertaken there last year, and indeed uh, the the strike area was extended um, toward the end of the year uh, in 2021 to a, an area of at least 530 me- meters, um, and through sampling on the surface, they had uh, had discovered grades of as high as 595 grams per ton of silver and 0.7 grams per ton gold and that was just uh, in that was just discovered in the exploration trenches and there are pictures on the current presentation of the tertiary minerals website showing those so um so the the company has uh patrick cullen i was interviewing patrick uh, the other week and um he uh he's in, uh, announced that the company has engaged in Envirotech drilling of Nevada to undertake uh, some 4,000 meters of reverse circulation drilling, and that will start next week. So we're very close to getting some 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 really meaningful data back 
from this drilling work um, and uh, and discovering, you know, if what's under the ground um, matches what's on top of the ground. And of course, if that is the case, then we could be working towards um, an initial uh, um, uh, mineral resource estimate, which is very exciting. But it, it's even more exciting because all of this activity, none of it seems to have reflected in any way in the tertiary mineral share price. Um, the currently, company's currently got a valuation of 3.3 million sterling. Um, and this in no way reflects, I believe, on the value of any of the assets the company owns in Nevada. There's also the Brunton Pass Copper Project and some initial sampling work was uh, undertaken there um, uh, there a few months ago and we'll we'll no doubt hear about that uh, or, or the results from that going forward. But certainly um, uh, since Patrick Cullen joined, the company has developed its other asset in Zambia. Um, and this is the uh, the in the Zambia Copper Belt, which is a prolific area that uh, is um, has many many mines uh, within the area, and um, Tertiary has acquired uh, several licenses. In uh, there's a license called Jacks and a license area called Concola West, and a couple of others too. And some work will be undertaken there later on later on this this year at some point to to to, to move move the Zambia Copper project forward as well. So so in the near term, I think we can look forward to some news from Tertiary on what they're finding at the North Ruth um, uh, target area, um, uh, and that should be certainly within the next few months. Further on, of course, we've got the Brunton Pass Copper project. We all know how important copper is at the moment as a battery metal um, and of course that will also um, that will also uh, achieve further credence uh, if there are if there are developments with the Zambia copper project later on this year but as I say with these assets under its belt tertiary has a a valuation that it seems to me to be uh, around half of companies in its peer group and um there's a disconnect here, and I think uh, certainly in terms of valuation, it's uh, it offers great value in that regard. So, Alan, this is a question that uh, I know I bring up quite a lot on the podcast, and, it, and it's uh, given an example of, of Cadence Minerals, for example, has the the Amapa Iron Ore project as, as their flagship yep. um, asset. Is there an equivalent in terms of the importance placed on any one asset for tertiary minerals? Uh, so if, if we look at um, if we look at uh, the, the the asset where it, where it is at the moment, um, I mean there are many other companies uh, with with assets uh, where soil sampling has been undertaken, and in fact a company I'm going to talk about in a minute, uh, ECR Minerals, uh, which has uh, assets of course in Victoria, Australia, has also been undertaking some drilling work and some sampling. Um, and whilst those projects are a bit further down the road, of course, ECR has a much higher market cap, about about 16, 16 to 17 million sterling. So, um, so, so there are other companies in this regard. You've got Cavango Resources, for instance, with a market capitalization of about 6 million. Um, you've got uh, uh, Power Metal Resources, which has a uh, which has uh, uh, 14 projects around the globe and um, has a has a much higher market capitalization obviously with many more projects but um, certainly per se uh, the 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 comparative valuation uh, of peer group companies on average seems to be six to seven million and tertiary is still there with a 
3.3 million uh, uh, market cap. It's a bit of a head scratcher, but um, one that I'm sure that any any progress at the uh, North Ruth uh, drilling project over the next few months will uh, will address rapidly. Indeed, indeed. I'm sure as the market starts to learn and digest of more developments there, that that will be something that uh, really comes into question with such a low uh, a low valuation there. So as you mentioned there, Adam, there's, there's going to be another company we discuss in the uh, mineral sector. It's ECR, um, a regular feature here on the podcast due to the uh, developments that they're having coming th- um, thick and fast. And, and we've got one this morning. I had a quick read of it earlier. So what's been happening on there? So this is this is quite a, quite a substantial development for ECR. Um, the ECR, of course, uh, the the uh, the uh, CEO, Craig Brown, tragically died in October last year. And the board of the company had been reeling, literally, because, of course, you know, Craig was uh, Craig was a very... Um, mercurial character and uh he was ecr minerals so of course the 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 geologist adam jones chairman david tang and uh and uh, the other director trevor davenport and also andrew scott who's recently been uh, uh appointed to the board as an unexec they've had to pick up the pieces and um and uh and keep the company going because the thing is well, I say keep the company going. Actually, uh, keep all of the operations going because the drilling campaign on the ground has continued regardless, and that's obviously key. There also have been delays, as the company said today, in due to COVID nineteen. Um, the company has a processing lab um, at Bendigo in uh, in central Victoria, and due to COVID, uh, the assay results, which have been well, the assay, the core samples which have been pouring in thick and fast, the assays have just been delayed and delayed. And they're now starting to come through. So we're now starting to get a very clear picture of uh, the company assets. So this is the Bayliston area that uh, we're talking about today. Um, of course, there was an announcement about Kresik a few weeks ago. The company added a further license area between Kresik and Ballarat and of course there's a very famous gold mine at Ballarat um, and uh, they noted with the Kresik uh, development that uh, the, uh, the the mineral shoots that they're seeing there are very similar in structure um, to the the uh, the um, mineral shoots that are seen in the Ballarat mine which is a narrow vein gold mine so huge potential there at Kresik um, and uh, but today, of course, we're going back to Bayliston, in particular the HR three Historic Reserve three um, and several geological anomalies. The Maori um, the 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 Maori uh, uh, um, uh, anomaly, and also, of course, we have the the Maori Reef anomaly, and we have Scowler's Reef and the Dan Genders Reef, which have been discovered as geological, uh, if you like, folds underground. Um, so drilling has taken place, um, and the uh, um, through uh, through uh, some soil sampling work that was announced in January, a number of anomalies were identified, and um, this drill hole this morning was drilled under anomaly A, and uh, some very good gold grades were pulled from that, 0.5 meters at nine and a half grams per ton of gold. Um, uh, 99 meters at 0.8. Uh, sorry, uh, 0.8 meters at 4.9 grams per ton, um, and uh, uh, 0.3 meters, 4.9 grams per ton, and then 6.5 grams per ton. So these are all 
these are all separate um, uh, separate uh, 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 readings from core samples that were taken from underneath, deep underneath this anomaly A. And um, Adam Jones uh, 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 outlined uh, what they found there, and uh, he uh, he's uh, th there is further drilling planned for the uh, the vein that's been discovered, um, and that further drilling will, results will be announced from that. Um, but David Tang also just outlined uh, what uh, the significance of what they found today uh, in his statement. He said the these um, these features are uh, correlate very closely with deposits at the historical Costafield, Nagambi, and Rue mine, uh, which are nearby. The Rue mine, of course, is operated by Mawson Resources, Mawson Gold, um, and uh, it's an ASX listed company, and uh, and um, it's really helped them to. Uh, help with the understanding of the regional gold trend um, and they the company are now on the back of the data they've got working towards identifying an ore resource uh, at the HR3 um, um, as, uh, asset. So that's hugely significant. Um, they, they, David also stated that due to the COVID-19 delays, assayed results were now starting to come back in. So there will be more results in the coming weeks. So in the coming weeks, we're going to get a very clear picture of what's underground at, at Bayliston, both at HR3 uh, and the other assets there too. Important to note as well that, um, and this is Craig Brown's uh, uh, initiative, the company purchased three properties last year. Um, they purchased a property on that's the Nagambi Rushworth Road. Um, there are historic, historical problems with landowners in the area, um, although they can, the company can uh, acquire a, a license the landowners can make it very difficult for mining companies to operate on the land. So with the cash resources it had, um, ECR very uh, cannily acquired these properties, Nagambi Rushworth Road, and also the, the property at uh, Springmount in Creswick, um, which gives them direct land access, means they can go on, sample on the land, work on the land, uninterrupted, and of course unencumbered by any issues with, with local landowners. And that's proved to be a very fortuitous move because property prices in the re in the in Victoria have risen rapidly since the middle of last year. So the properties are, are already worth more. So um, in summary, um, ECR of course currently trading at uh, 1.45p um, because the market capitalization of around 15 million currently. It's been as high I think as uh, as 3.7p on the year. Um, so I think uh, you know once these once these discoveries pan out, we should see a lot more activity in the coming weeks. Um, and uh, obviously, once we have an idea of a possible oil resource there, then um, I think uh, we should, that should be a game changer for the company. Um, also worth noting that um, the company are interviewing for a new CEO. They've identified several candidates. So we should be hearing about that very shortly, too. So, Alan, just want to look, you know, just to finish off here, you know, full words, you know, this might be full words, two years, uh, five years, 10 years, who knows? But I mean, you obviously know the, the company intimately. Where do you see it going in terms of its major projects? Is it, is it a case that they're going to be sort of farming it, some of the operations out um, and sort of bringing in partners? Or do you think they're going to be looking at asset sales? 
uh, or, or an overall takeover of uh, of the business, or indeed go into production and become a producer. Where, where do you see the company going? Well, I, I know Craig had Craig was just driving driving the project on, and he had ambitions. I know to uh, to to make sure the company had enough resource to undertake its own drilling work, um, get the team on site, and also ultimately, if the resources there. To, to to raise money to develop a gold mine or at that stage he uh, at that stage of course if the asset and the ore resource is that strong then they may get a very good offer from from from, from a partner and of course we've seen so many times uh, in uh, the region also in in Australia um, of course notably Greatland gold um, the Haviran uh, discovery there Newcrest mining came in and um, and of course, put all their huge, limitless resource into developing the gold mine. So, so my guess is, you know, if the ore resources, what they hope is going to be, that's going to happen. Um, but of course, the re-rating of the company, you know, as happened with Greatland Gold. I mean, the Greatland Gold went to uh, it was worth a billion and a half at one point. Um, so it's there's huge potential, and of course. You know that at, at that point, if you're owning shares in a company at this point in time, and you go to that valuation, then it's it, it it's a it's a great thing indeed. Um, so, so in summary, I, I think you know the uh, also worth noting that ECR have of course their own drill rigs and they're using their own drill rigs, so they don't need to wait to get a drilling company to come in and do the work for them. They can do it at you within their own time frame and when works best for them in terms of costings and and uh, and staff availability and everything else so um, it's very much the complete company in that regard and i think uh, i think if they have a resource there they'll be in a very strong position to negotiate very um, very advantageous terms if one of the big guys like newmont or newcrest mining comes in to do a joint venture Indeed, that's a very interesting point you make there about having their own equipment because that really does speed things up uh, in uh, in this industry. So just a recap there of the equities we discussed today. First of all was Persimmon with a ticket of PSN. It was then Tertiary Minerals with a ticket of TYM. And just then was ECR Minerals, of course, with a ticket of ECR. Alan, thank you very much for being on the podcast today. Thank you, John. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed listening to the UK Investor Magazine podcast. Please do share the podcast and we really value any reviews and comments you leave us in your chosen podcast player. The views presented by the hosts and guests of the UK Investor Magazine podcast are in no way investment advice. And please remember, all investment involves risk. 